How are you doing? Yeah? We had a great Easter together. Uh, somewhere between 15 and 17,000 of us. You brought your friends. I love that. Had a great time. God came down, saw him face to face. My beard turned white. No. No, I'm just trying to embrace the, you know, embrace it. I'm embracing it. So, uh, you know, we're all, you guys are so encouraging too because out in the lobby someone told me, Pastor, I love the new look. You look like a grizzled old war veteran. I said, thank you. And um, I was just hoping he wasn't talking about the Revolutionary War, you know. I was like, we're talking today about breakthrough. You see, you're either going to break down or you're going to break through. And the only way to live, really live, is to break through. I want to talk to you about some principles and applying God's resurrection power that we talked about last week. I want to talk to you about applying that to break through from worry and stress to joy and peace. Does that sound good? Let's do that together, okay? Pull out your sermon notes, if you will. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And it's so much deeper than what we think of as just peace. It's this completeness, this wholeness, this purpose. And the, the New Testament continues what the Old Testament is talking about when it's talking about peace. How do we get this kind of deep wholeness, this, this peace that, that the Bible talks about? Well, in our passage today, the Apostle Paul, he tells us. He, he's the one, he says, that he's going to show us. In fact, look at verse 9. I'll put it up on the screen for you. Philippians 4, 9. Keep putting into practice all you learned from me and heard from me and saw me doing, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, Paul says, if you're really going to live, then copy me. That seems pretty cocky, doesn't it? I mean, that seems kind of like, whoa, dude. I mean, what if I said that? I said, hey, you want to really be a good Christian? Just do what I do. You'd be going like, man. But here's the thing. It's not cocky on Paul's part. These are all new believers, and he's saying, I found the secret. I want you to see it with me. It's generosity on his part. He's saying, learn to live like this because it's changed me. That's what he's talking about. Paul is the one who, in this very city, he wrote to the Philippians, the city of Philippi. He was in jail there for a time. He had been beaten with rods, he and Silas, his partner. And uh, they were put in stocks and midnight in the jail, beaten up, bloody. They're singing praises to God. Can you imagine that? And then an earthquake comes and the doors fly open and the stocks fall off and the jailer is about to kill himself because if any prisoner escaped they would behead him anyway and just to keep from losing face he was going to kill himself and, and, and Paul says no don't do that we're still here and he gets to share his faith with this jailer and he and his whole family come to faith in Jesus it's just an amazing thing Paul when he's writing this letter he's chained to a Roman guard he's under house arrest in, in the great city of Rome waiting to have his head chopped off, and he knows it, and it happens. But singing all the way to the chopping block, rejoicing. I mean, how did, how, okay, Paul, I mean, how did you do this? I mean, we're trying to figure this out. Maybe you're in a, a, a deep, dark circumstance right now. You're trying to figure out how, how to do this. Let's look, and let's see with him. Number one, what Paul says is, replace being right with being in relationship. 
Replace being right with being in relationship. And I want us to, to back up. We're going to look at the verses right before he said, what you've seen me do, I want you to do, because he's telling us what he's done. Philippians 4, 2 through 9, if you want to turn there in your Bible, or you can look there in your sermon notes in the middle of your, your worship guide right there. I've got them for you and some blanks to fill in. Listen to what he says. Yodia and Suntuke to... I urged you to iron out their differences and make up. God doesn't want his children holding grudges. And oh yes, Suchigos, since you're right there, help them work things out. I love the Bible because you get good baby names in the Bible. Right? Suchigos, that's a good one. Some of you, anybody want to use that one? What's funny is Uodia means prosperous journey and Suntuke, uh, pleasant acquaintance, and they were neither one of those things. These two ladies in the early church, they were feuding like crazy. I mean, it was just some big church feud. And, and, and Paul says, I need you to get together. And then he says, Sutsugos, you're, you're right there. Maybe he was the pastor, you know, Pastor Sue. And... Uh, can you work this out with them? What he's saying is, hey, ladies, I need you to get some counseling. I need a third party to come in and work with you. And it's so important that, that we do that sometimes in our lives, you know? I mean, when I first got married, I thought that counseling was for other people, you know? And people, you know, with real problems. And then I got married and I realized, yeah, Laura had real problems. She needed counseling. And I still remember the first counselor we went to, he was a Jewish guy because we, where we lived we couldn't find a, a Christian counselor. So um, he, was, he was really good though, psychiatrist, uh, psychologist. And um, he said, um, I talked to him and I was like, you know, I'm wild, I, and my wife and I'm telling him all about her. And he goes, wow, that sounds difficult. Sound, and finally he goes, it sounds like, wow, it sounds like almost like she might have some kind of issue like a borderline personality or something. And then she comes in next and sweet little Laura comes in and he's looking at her the whole time and she's just talking like a normal person. And then she figures, he figures out who has the most problems, the guy that came in first, right? And, and he helped me with that, he showed me that. And that was such a, a huge deal. It's important to get counseling and find a good counselor. Hopefully not a counselor like this guy. I wanna show you, uh, when I was getting my doctorate in counseling many years ago, this uh, was on television. It's not in HD. That shows you how long ago it was. So you'll have to kind of uh, forgive us for that. But here's Bob Newhart as your best psychologist ever. Tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No. No, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes. Yes, that's it. All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm... Uh, 
I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most We find most people can, uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, here, here they are. Stop it! I'm sorry? Stop it! Stop it? Yes, S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, you, you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds, sounds frightening. It is. Then stop it. I, I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, childhood. No, no, no. No, we, 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 we don't go there. Just, just stop so I should just stop being afraid of being buried alive in a box. What, what, what else? Well, I have self-destructive relationships with men. Stop it! You, you want to be with a man, don't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, yes. Well, then stop it. Don't be such a big baby. I wash my hands a lot. That's all right. It is? I, I wash my hands all the time. There's a lot of germs out there. Uh -huh. Yeah, don't, don't, uh, don't worry about that one. I'm afraid to drive. Well, stop it! How, how are you going to get around? Get in the car and drive, you, you kook! Stop it! You stop it! You stop it! What's, what's the problem, Kathy? I don't like this. I don't like this therapy at all. You're just telling me to stop it. And and you and you don't you don't like that. No, I don't. So you think we're we're moving too fast, is that it? Yes. Yes, I do. All right, then let me uh, let me uh, give you 10 words that I I think will uh, clear everything up for you. Uh, you want you want to get a pad and a pencil for this one? All right. Ready? Mm -hmm. All right, here are the ten words. Stop it or I'll bury you alive in a box! Effective stuff, yeah. Yeah, thankfully our counselors here at church are a little more sympathetic than that. But they'll walk with you. And it's so important to get a third party because what happens a lot of times we're too close to things, right? You, maybe you and your teenagers having issues and... And it just seems like the end of the world. When I was a student pastor, um, before I ever had kids many, many years ago, I had a, a great message to parents. And it was called 10 Surefire Strategies to Raise Great Kids. And then I had my own kids. And as they were small, I changed it to 10 Good Strategies to Raise Great Kids. And then when they got to be teenagers, I changed it to 10 Feeble Suggestions for Fellow Strugglers, you know? So what happens is... 
get in a third party. As a student pastor, even without kids, sometimes I was just able to listen. Say, it's not the end of the world. You know, they're going to snap back. They're just trying to differentiate. And I could say all the things that I knew. But when it was my own kids, panic sets in, right? So get that third party. That's what he's saying. Get someone else in there. And the other thing that Paul's trying to get across here, I wonder who was right. Euodia or Suntuke? I mean, who was right? And someone had to be right in the argument and someone had to be wrong. Did Paul spend a lot of time in saying, well, Suntuke has a really good point here and Euodia, you need to... No, he said, I don't care. Get right with each... I mean, relationship is more important than being right. I remember counseling a guy many years ago and he and his wife were going at it and he... He was really right most of the time. Nine times out of ten, he was in the the right. And finally, I just looked at him, and he goes, but I'm right. And I said, and yes, you're going to be the most right and the most lonely man on the planet. Because relationship is what matters. Those of you raising teenagers, remember that. Even if if you tend to be rules-oriented, remember relationship over rules. That's the key. To keeping that relationship with your kid. Now I didn't say don't have rules. I didn't even say you can't be strict. But what I'm saying is relationship comes first. And it's so important to remember that. I love the Bible because it's realistic. Listen to this other verse. It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You know, there are some people out there that aren't going to like you no matter what. You know that, right? I mean, there's some personalities, and see, if we could just understand that some personalities rub each other the wrong way, and hopefully you didn't marry that person, but there's a chance that you did, you know, then we can say, it's just personality. The way we see things is is so different, and that's okay. There's value in seeing things differently. But as far as it depends on you, you try as hard as you can to keep the relationship. And as you do that, what we're going to see is the peace and the joy. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing more stressful than, than a fight, than not being in good relationship. Number two, he says, I want you to do something else. I want you to replace judging with joy. Now, maybe you've never seen that in this verse, but let me just read it to you. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. These are commands. This is command form. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. I think it's fascinating to me that we as Christians, when we think about sins in the Christian life, we go like, did I murder anyone today? No, good. I'm good on that one. Did I commit adultery today? No, good. I'm good on that one. But did you know that the Bible says to not be happy enough, to not be joyful is a sin? Did you know that? We're going like, oh man, right? It's, it, it, it's, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And there's a little key in this because here's Paul chained to the soldier waiting to have his head cut off and he says, rejoice. How can you rejoice? I'm not rejoicing in the fact that I'm sitting here as a prisoner. I'm rejoicing in the Lord. And there's a, a key there. I'm focused on God. I'm It's kind of like this utter abandon to God that's saying, God, I trust your heart and I love you and I'm so glad to be your little son, your little daughter. 
even in the midst of this heartache that I feel, even in the midst of this terrible situation, what a blessing for me to be yours and you're mine. And that's what Paul always kept in mind. One of the biggest things I think that robs us of joy is when someone does us wrong. You ever been done wrong? I want to ask you to raise your hand or point at anyone, you know? Say, no, yeah, I mean, it just, doesn't it drive you crazy when, when you've been done wrong? And when life doesn't treat you fair or someone doesn't treat you fair, like that guy got the, the promotion or that gal got the promotion, it should have been mine. Drives you crazy. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Paul speaks to this. Now, doesn't sound like it in English at first glance, but that word translated gentleness, it's a difficult word to, to translate in Greek. It's been translated as gentle, yielding, lenient, but it's the word anoke, anoke. And, and it literally means to forbear. We don't use forbearance much in the English language anymore. But that means to hold back, self-restraint, delay punishment, a suspension of punishment to forbear. The dictionary definition of forbearance, refraining from the enforcement of something. Refraining from the enforcement of something could be a debt that we're owed or a right that we have or uh, something that comes due and needs to be paid to us and isn't. This is the legal sounding definition another synonym would be mercy or merciful we see it with God if you went all the way it would be pardon to pardon somebody that's forbearance and then it says why because God is near well because his presence is here that's not if you understand the the nuance of the Greek language that's not what he's saying here he's saying because his return is imminent he's coming back so I want you to forbear because he's coming back I have this crazy theory you don't have to accept it okay because not in the Bible this is a Mark Shook special okay um, but that heaven is going to be so much different than we think even getting there what if you know think of this heaven is outside of time God is outside of time we are such time conscious creatures right and we're so focused on Time, we live in time. As, as we grow older, it seems like time goes faster, doesn't it? Your beard turns gray, you know? Things happen like that. Well, God is not in time. It's just one of his creations, and sometimes we don't think about that. That's why we can see that God is waiting for us. He says, I am. That's my name. I am. Not I was or I will be. I am. He's the eternally present one. He's already there tomorrow. You worried about tomorrow going to work? He's already there in tomorrow, waiting to welcome you into it. Welcome, son. Welcome, daughter, into this day. I've been here waiting for you because that's God. He's outside of time. The Bible says that before the foundation of the world, Christ died for us. You're going like, that wasn't before. Well, there's something about the cross. It's almost as if it's outside of time for just a moment. You know, I always wonder, like, all the darkness and stuff that happened at the cross, was it Almost like this temporal bubble, you know, kind of thing. Some of you are going like, I, I never thought about that. You don't have to. You know, it's a Mark Chuck special. But what about heaven? You see, if I died today and Laura 
didn't die for 30 years and I went to heaven, I was thinking that wouldn't really be that great because I want Laura there. My Laura's not there. How can it be heaven, you know? Uh, how, how can that be heaven? I have this theory that we all get to heaven at the same time, whether you died 4,000 years ago or you're gonna die way into the future. Why? Because it's outside of time. Well, you know, we always think of people that went before us waiting for us there, but what if we're all there at the same time? Yeah, they went directly to heaven, don't get me wrong, but we're there too. You're going like, okay, I'm getting really confused here. But think about it for a minute. It boggles your mind because we can't think outside of time, right? Heaven's not in time. There, it's like the eternal present again. I think that's a little bit of what Paul's digging at here. He's saying, you know what? The Lord is near. Now, it's been 2,000 years almost since Paul wrote this. And you, you know that Jesus hasn't come back yet, but Paul has got this same recognition that this is all outside of time for God. That's why the Bible says with God, a thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. It's irrelevant to God. But what I think Paul is saying here is that Jesus is coming back quickly. It's outside of time, but it's, he's coming back at some point just before you know it, his return, or you're gonna die and you're gonna be in heaven. And either way, the Lord is near. He's near. And the Bible says the world won't be destroyed by flood again. He's gonna destroy it by fire. In fact, the book of Revelation and others say that the elements are going to melt with intense heat, which is what happens like an atomic bomb. But that's how the world's gonna be destroyed. So what he's saying is the world is passing away. It's only a matter of time before it's consumed. And every dollar that you deserved to be paid, that you weren't paid, is gonna be gone anyway. And, and every argument that you felt like you should have won but you didn't will be forgotten. And everything that was stolen from you will cease to exist. None of it. It's going to matter. Why are you so caught up in this? Is what Paul is saying. Why are you so worried that you got ripped off? It doesn't matter. It's going to burn up anyway. The Lord is near. It's all coming to a close. It's all terminating. Before you can blink. It's going to get faster and faster and faster. You're going to get older. You're going to die. The Lord is near. Or he's going to come back and break through time and space. The Lord is near. So learn to be patient, gentle when you get the raw deal, when you get shorted. Quit judging everyone's motives all the time. You're always judging, judging, judging. Quit judging. What are you using to judge anyway? Well, the facts, sir. I'm using the facts. No, you don't know the facts. Listen to what the Bible says. See, what we do is we make up our own story about things and then we believe that story and then we impugn motives to people and basically Paul is saying that's your own story you made up in your head and really it doesn't even matter. Relationship is what matters. And he says this in Romans. We know that God's judgment falls upon those who practice these things and God is always right because he has all the facts. And no matter who you think you are, when you judge others who do these things and then do the same things yourself, what makes you think that you will escape God's judgment? Do the riches 
of his extraordinary kindness make you take him for granted and despise him? Haven't you experienced how kind and understanding he has been to you? Don't mistake his tolerance, there's the word again, anoke, forbearance. Don't mistake his forbearance for acceptance. Do you realize that all the wealth of his extravagant kindness is meant to melt your heart and lead you to repentance? Some say, Paul said, Oh yeah, he's coming, yeah, like God is near, he's coming back. It's been, it's been years and years, he's not come back. This was in the New Testament, and now we could say it's been 2,000 years. And Paul says, don't take it that he's negligent or forgetful, but that he's forbearing, that he's patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He keeps waiting. Every little child again that's born, I'm going to wait until they have a time to Trust me, step into my kingdom and, and, and receive what I did for them on the cross. I don't want any to miss that. I want it to keep, and some of us that are older, he's going like, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Don't mistake his anoke, his forbearance, for just negligence or acceptance. Number three, replace worry with prayer. Replace worry with prayer. So, you're starting to get to peace because you're not judging everything all the time. You're just going to learn how to rejoice. You know it's all going to be over in a flash and you, you're, not, you're not worried about it. But now you've got to realize we've got to replace worry with prayer. There's, there's so much to worry about. I, I read this week about a guy that came home from the doctor and, and, and he said to his wife, he was looking really worried. He said, honey, the, the, the doctor told me I have to take a pill every day for the rest of my life. And she goes, well, honey, don't get so uptight about it. Lots of people have to take a pill every day for the rest of their life. And he said, but he only gave me four pills. <laughs> okay, that might be cause to worry, all right? We worry and we, you know what worry is? Worry is basically praying to yourself. Did you know that? When you worry, that's why Paul always compares worry and prayer. Because you're either gonna pray to God or pray to you. When you worry, you're like meditating to yourself what am I going to do about this how can I fix this how can I do this what how am I going to work this out how, you know okay great great God Mark here you're a terrible God you're no good at it that's why you're all stressed out I want to give you something to do okay I want you to try this experiment I want you to get like a, a little spiral notebook or you can use like the iPad I, I've got the iPad Pro and I can use the Apple Pencil with it in fact, the new iPad that just came out, that's not the Pro, it's a lot less expensive, can use the Apple Pencil, and there's a lot of journal apps, so you can use that if you want. What I want you to do in this spiral notebook, don't get a, don't get a pretty one, because if you get a pretty one, people go, oh, that looks so pretty, I wonder what's in it. You don't want them to read it, right? So just get a plain old spiral notebook, and I want you to pray with your pen or pencil. And what you do is come to God and say, God, here's the things that I feel emotionally heavy about this these are the things that are on my heart this is what I would be worrying about this is what is causing me stress and just write them down there'll probably be six eight ten things now if you've got like 300 things then call the counselors here at community of faith okay but it'll be six or eight or ten things and and you'll put down different things like let's just say that you're a parent that's walking with God and you've got either an adult child or a uh, a teenager that's not walking with God, that would be one of them, right? I, I'm praying for my son, my daughter. 
they're not walking with God and, and, and that's really affecting me right now. And so you would just write that down, okay? And then what I want you to do is as you look over those, I want you to put a star by the ones that you can actually do something about. Now what you're going to find is that's hardly any of them. Maybe 20% of what's there at the most you'll be able to do something about. Those that you put a star by, transfer them over to your to-do list and get them done and take them off your list, okay? That'll release some stress. But what you begin to see is that just by listing them, some of your stress begins to alleviate because, uh, because the unknown causes it. You haven't really processed what's causing you stress. But it's these specific things. Get real specific about it, okay? And then what I want you to do with the other 80%, I want you to just keep the notebook open and I want you to hold your hands like this and I want you to look at each of those and I want you to feel the weight of them. Pretend, God gave us good imagination, as if you can actually feel the weight of those things, those eight things out of ten. And then what I want you to do is say, God, I'm your little child and I can't do anything about this. And you know this causes me to freak out and to struggle and, and, and I'm trying to hold this and I can't hold it and God, I don't want to hold it anymore, so here. And turn your hands over and let them fall at God's feet and give them to God. Don't worry, pray. There's something about the active way of doing that that I have found to be so freeing. And it, I'm not saying you'll never worry again, okay? There are other stresses will come in during the day. But what you'll find is the next morning when you get up to do that, it won't be a lot of the same things. You've really given them to God. You feel it. And if you need to do it again, you can. But eventually some of those things you'll, you'll just be, thank you God that that's yours and that you're taking care of it. And I do pray for my son or daughter, but I just know that you've got them in your hands and I'm trusting you to do this. What a difference it makes. You begin to pray to God instead of yourself. And it, it, it changes things. In fact, it says the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's a military term, guard, in the Greek. Military, guard your heart, your emotions, your mind, your intellect, the, the thoughts that you're thinking. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you, Peter says. And he means like casting a fishing net. I mean like really throw it. That's what you're doing when you're turning that over. I'm giving that to you. There's a part of the ocean that's known as the cushion of the sea. You know, the top can be a hurricane blowing and, and the wind's going crazy. But if you get deep enough, it all calms out. It's the cushion of the sea. Just gentle moving back and forth. That's the peace, the shalom that God wants us to have in the midst of crazy circumstances in our world today peace do you feel that do you have that God says it's available it's your birthright as a believer number four replace whining with truth replace whining with truth Philippians 4 8 says think about the things that are good and worthy of praise think about the things that are true and honorable and right and pure and beautiful and respected some of you, I know you're in circumstances that are totally overwhelming. I want you to listen to Steve. He went to a counselor and he says this. 
I'll never forget when the counselor, Shirley and I went to see, challenged me and said, Steve, here's your assignment. I want you to make a list of the top 10 things that are positive about your wife, Shirley. And daily, every morning, give thanks to God verbally, out loud for each of the 10 things. And I remember thinking, there ain't no way that there's 10 things. I proved it to him. I began to, to try to identify him. I came back the first, I said, I can only think of three. He gently said, Steve, I know you believe that to be the truth, but work with me on this. Keep asking God and keep looking and adding to the list. They'll come to you one by one. Steve says, what I found over the next three to four weeks was that I filled out the list of 10 and then I went way past 10. I had so allowed myself to be dominated by what I didn't like about what was going on that I was totally unaware of all the positives she did for me and I'd begun to take for granted. It was my mental dominance with the negatives that had crowded out all the positives that were within her all along. One of the best pieces of advice I was given during that time frame is don't throw away something just because it's not perfect because it might just be very, very good just as it is in its imperfections. Today I can't imagine having walked away from Shirley. She's the most godly person I know to handle the pressures of being my wife, still be my best friend. We have a marvelous relationship, but that required me training my mind to look at what was good instead of what was bad. The Bible even goes further. It says, I want you to have a different mindset. I need you to understand what God's doing here. And, and this thing that's going on in your life, it's not for no purpose if you're a child of God. There's something going on here. In fact, Hebrews tells us this. Endure hardship as discipline. What does that mean? It means some hard things are coming into your life. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. What, what the Bible's saying is that circumstance you're in that you want out of so desperately, think of it as God sending you to the gym or to CrossFit. He's trying to work the muscles of your character. He's, he, he's not, you're not there by accident. He knows. He cries with you. He feels it. He's not insensitive. But he's also like your coach going, come on, girl. You can do this. Come on. Come on, son. You can, you can do this. You can grow in this. And as we grow, we get to a new place. And, and, and he can do what he wants to do in our life even more. Some of it is because he wants to bless us, but we're not ready. If he blessed us now, we'd waste it and spend it on ourselves. And he's saying, I need to get your character to, to a certain place. I've learned that when I'm in one of those situations, it's good just to draw a circle around myself and say, I'm going to be the best believer I can be. And by that, I mean, I'm just going to trust God in the midst of this. And I'm going to keep calling out to him. I'm going to learn how to rejoice in him, that I'm his. And I'm going to trust that he's doing something in this. And I don't want to miss it because I don't want to have to go through this again. Maybe it's bench press this time, you know. I don't know what it is, but he's, he, he's getting my muscles strong and he's, and he's helping me. And the Bible says later on, there will always be a later on. I promise you a later on is coming and it produces a harvest of righteousness and a harvest of peace. That's an amazing thing. Number five, last one, replace religion with relationship. Again, what Paul said in verse nine, keep 
putting into practice all you learned from me and heard from me and saw me doing, and the God of peace will be with you. Here's the promise. If you'll put into practice what Jesus has taught us to do, his way of living, Jesus with all of his peace, he'll hang at your house. He'll be with you. He'll walk with you. You'll feel it. You'll know it. It's a huge promise. I've got some homework for you. I want to challenge you to read the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, sometime over these next couple of months. I mean, read a little bit each day. Don't, you don't have to read them all tonight. But I want you to approach them with this mindset. I want you to say, I'm going to come to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, as if I never heard of Jesus before. If I don't know, as if I don't know anything about him or Christianity or anything. And some of it you're going to find out you don't because some of what we've been taught traditionally, Jesus just like turns it on its head. It was the religious leaders that got so upset with him, right? And what you're going to find is this amazing God-man who is so authentic and so much himself and so real and so knowable. He's hanging with prostitutes and sinners. I, I, I don't understand. I don't know what you're doing. But I love it. I love you. I love how accepting and loving you are. And yet you're so God, you're so just and all these other things. And you'll begin to see Jesus in a whole new light. That's your, that's your homework, okay? The journal and that. Let me read you what this Jesus said. I'm gonna read it out of the message. Uh, sometimes it's fun to read the Bible in another translation. And when you go online, there's all kinds of translations, okay? You can go to, to, to Bible Gateway if you want to and Bible Gateway has all the, I mean, just tons and tons of translations that you can look at. I love the message sometimes, Eugene Peterson's translation of the Bible. And here's what the message says, Jesus saying, Matthew chapter 1, 28 through 30, he sa or Matthew 11, 28 through 30, he says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Now, he didn't say no tribulation because he said another place, in this world you will have trouble. You will have tribulation. Paul said, if you marry, you will have more trouble. Maybe you didn't know that. But we're gonna have troubles but Jesus is gonna walk with us. He said there's always a purpose. I'm not gonna put something ill-fitting. I'm gonna make it purposeful specifically for you.